0: Well, I want to begin with uh, maybe a little bit of a a thought exercise or or a story uh, that you might consider with me. And I want to kind of walk through uh, what might be a typical week in your life. I know we all live obviously different lives. We all come from different places. Um, But I think the things that we experience during the, the week are similar in many ways. And so as I tell this story, I wonder if you might consider looking at what our lives bring in terms of anxiety or stress or burdens or pressures so if if i told a story it might go it might go something like this so it's it's last sunday after church and and your friends ask you to go to lunch and and your first thought is i don't know if i have enough funds in the bank for that in fact you wonder if you'll ever have sufficient funds Because you've been struggling with how to balance your budget for years now. Later that night, as you scroll through Facebook and see that some of your friends have taken taken a fun trip together, you begin to worry that you're on the outs with them. Why weren't you invited? You begin to think that you must not be lovable. You are also sure that if the secret sin you've been walking in were to ever come out, then you would surely be unlovable. And as your thoughts begin to Uh, continue to devolve you fear that you really are alone and may even die alone Monday morning as you take your child to school you worry about their friendships have you done enough to equip them for the disappointments in life what if they don't grow up to know the Lord then your kid tells you that she's worrying about a a test in math that day you tell her it's going to be okay But then the pressure of wondering how she is doing academically begins to fill your thoughts. Later, you arrive at work. There's been rumors of restructuring and even layoffs there. You begin to stress out about losing your job. You're already stretched financially. You think, am I going to be living on the streets? Tuesday. Tuesday rolls around and you're beginning to worry about how tired you've been recently. Your mother has just finished a long battle with cancer and now you wonder if you have cancer. Your thoughts take off down a rabbit hole. How much, how much will that hurt? What will chemotherapy be like? What, what will you do if, you're, if you die? What will your family do if you die? Death is scary. Somehow, you shake yourself out of those thoughts only to notice a suspicious crack in the wall above your bedroom door. Foundation problems, you think. How much will that cost? Can you even afford to live in this house anymore? That takes you back to the anxiety of your bank accounts and the rumors at work. And then out of the blue, you have the thought, does my spouse even love me anymore? What if they leave me? On Wednesday, you see the election results and you're immediately burdened. What does this mean for our country? Will America survive? What does it mean for my child's education? On the way to school, the check engine light comes on. How much will that cost? Do I need to buy a new car now? Thursday, a coworker sends you an article about how China's military is outpacing the U.S. military in training and weaponry. What if America goes to war? What if my son is drafted? Friday morning, your mom calls you and tells you your dad passed out and hit his head. What's wrong with him? Is he sick? Well, I have to take care of my parents. How can I do that? Before you go to work, you look in the mirror and get stressed out about how you look. Everyone else looks better than I do, you say to yourself, which brings back up the fears of loneliness. Saturday, you are stressed out because you're late to a breakfast date. What are they going to say? Again, you go back to wondering if your friend even likes you, and also if you have enough money to pay for the meal. And that's your week. How are you feeling? Those are just the Those are just the bigger anxieties. There are dozens and dozens of micro anxieties that we feel throughout the week as well. And much to my chagrin, there was only one, two, maybe three of those events that that I myself did not think this past week. So this is not quite autobiographical, but it's very close. We live in a scary world. We cannot control the big things in life that matter. We can't control when we die. We don't control if we are going to lose our job or lose a relationship. We don't control if someone sins against us and hurts us. Anxiety is close to all of us. We can't escape it. It's why God says, do not be anxious or fear not more than any other command in the Bible. It's the most frequent command in Scripture. Our God knows the stresses of this life. He knows the dangers of a life in the fallen world, and he knows our frame. Our passage today here in Philippians reminds us that God is near. He is at hand. He is with anxious people like you and me. He was with the anxious people in Philippi as well. The the very people he is writing, his friends who have opponents, we've already read about that at the end of chapter 1, that the opponents who are against Christianity, he tells them, do not be frightened about your opponents. You can imagine the the burden that this young church was feeling, the burden of persecution, the, the fear of losing status in this culture, the fear of losing relationships with friends and family. The fears that disunity in the church has brought up. So Paul writes these sweet verses to comfort his friends in the midst of significant fears. I am uh, I'm sure, as a pastor and counselor, that I have walked through this passage of Scripture with other people more than any other passage in Scripture. I'm quite sure of it. In fact, I've been counseled probably more from this passage of Scripture than almost any other part of the Bible. Anxious, fearful hearts crave peace. The good news this morning is that we worship the God of peace. God has a lot to say about our fears and anxieties and how He alone can bring us a meaningful peace. Peace. Are you hungry for an everlasting peace, a peace that truly persists? The only meaningful peace is found in Jesus Christ. Here's the main idea of our message today, if you're taking notes, it's this, meaningful peace is enjoyed by praying with thanksgiving and thinking wisely that results in joy and gentleness. I'll say it again. Meaningful peace is enjoyed by praying with thanksgiving and thinking wisely that results in joy and gentleness. I actually want to start this morning in the middle uh, at the end of verse 5. So if you look at this passage again, this is kind of the meat of the entire passage that we have this morning. So at the end of verse 5, Paul writes this. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. That's all Paul could have said, and it would have been enough, right? The Lord is is at hand. But he goes on to say, do not worry about anything. We see in this text that the peace you and I need is an alien peace. An alien peace. It's a peace that's not a part of me. Does it come from me? Does it come from you? You and I don't, don't have a peace in our nature that we can just call upon and summon at will. We hear a lot about inner peace or even mindfulness. Maybe some of you have even thought more about this kind of hot topic of mindfulness that we hear about in our culture, that we can tap into inner peace or mindfulness anytime that we are stressed. But when we think, when we think about how big and uncontrollable the things that we are anxious about We are far too weak and small to really be able to do anything about it on our own. Lasting, meaningful peace does not happen apart from God. It comes from Him, the God of peace. And it defies our comprehension. It surpasses our understanding. I love the language that that Paul uses here. It says that, This peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's using, once again, a military metaphor. He's done this a few times in this letter. The Philippians would have been very familiar with military and and guarding. And of course, Paul is in a Roman prison where he's being guarded. God's peace guards our hearts like a sentinel standing at post at all times. God's peace doesn't sleep so that you can. When Paul writes, do not be anxious, you might think of Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, when he starts addressing anxious people, Jesus begins by saying this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And then Jesus ends that section on anxiety by saying this, But first, but seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. How do we seek first the kingdom but to pray? Pray. We present our prayers to a loving father when we are anxious about anything. And in everything, we make our requests known to God. That's what Paul says here. We make our requests known to God. He uses the word supplication, which is just a word that means we let God know what's on our heart. We let God know that we are praying for specific things. And we do that with Thanksgiving. So my question this morning is, how do you pray about your fears? How do you pray about your fears? Actually, I might ask the question first, do you pray about your fears? More often than not, my first response to a fear is just to try to get more information. I try to get more information about whatever I'm fearful about. I'm looking for more information rather than transformation that comes from God transformation that comes from seeking the Lord in prayer instead I want more information this is why WebMD exists am I right the kids begin to have certain symptoms or we notice a spot on our skin and so we go right to the internet and we go down that rabbit hole that we mentioned earlier of worst case scenarios the information age that we live in has done nothing to bring peace to our fears. In many ways, it's brought the opposite. The cry from the world is that we just need to be more educated. We need to have more information about whatever the issue or problem is, and then we can begin to eliminate suffering and anxiety. Information in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it makes a terrible God. What would it look like if your first anxious thought resulted in you hitting your knees instead of typing something in Google, what would that look like? How freeing would that be? And when we pray, what do we pray? Paul says to make known your requests, to be specific, list your fears. Part of the, uh, part of the enemy's game is to really make you think that your fears and anxieties are innumerable, that there are countless fears and anxieties swirling all about you, just can't begin to number how many things that you are worried about. And that, of course, makes you feel chaotic, and that can lead to more anxiety. That's the enemy's strategy. But when you are able to give a name to each of the fears that you are experiencing and present them to the Lord... That is actually part of the way that God brings his peace to you and we pray with thanksgiving we pray with thanksgiving because the sovereign God of the universe hears and responds to our prayers he responds by giving us his peace in Jesus Christ Believer, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be able to pray in Jesus' name to our good Father. And our Father in heaven hears our prayers and responds to them. Jesus promised his disciples this very thing in the upper room before the crucifixion. And Jesus has this promise for us today as well. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. That's the promise for us this morning. That's the promise for anxious people. We pray with thanksgiving. Meaningful peace is also enjoyed by thinking wisely, by praying with thanksgiving, and then we think with wisdom. Look at verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What you think about is important. Your thought life shapes you tremendously. And maybe we actually haven't thought about that, that what we think about is incredibly important. If we had more time this morning, I would love to dive into what each of these words mean in the list that Paul gives here in verse 8, all these different attributes, uh, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. But what we can say is that this list gives us a lens through which we can view and interpret the world around us. We should interpret the world around us by looking through these things. It's another way that God's peace can manifest itself in our lives. The Philippians have watched and observed Paul's life for years. And so he is asking them, imitate me as Paul thinks about things with wisdom. As Paul walks with wisdom that's from above, he's asking them to do these things as well. Now, why would I use the, the phrase, think wisely? Why is that what I think the passage is pointing us to do? What, what I think Paul is doing here is actually mirroring uh, what James talks about in his letter. In James chapter 3, verse 17, he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Do you hear the similarities? Do you hear the similarities between what is wisdom from above and what Paul is asking us to think about in Philippians we need the wisdom from above. We need the wisdom of Christ to permeate our thoughts. Wise thoughts lead to a wise life where we are able to enjoy God in his perfect peace. And This obviously impacts how we take in the world around us, does it not? It affects how we think about and how we take in media or the arts Or the culture of our neighborhood or our city? When we see something on TV, do we filter it through this list in Philippians 4? Do you ask yourself, is what I'm taking in, is what I'm watching lovely or honorable? Even in reading, we might have our favorite things to read, our authors that we enjoy, our columnists or bloggers. Is what they are offering us commendable and true? So often we fill our minds with the opposite of these things. So often it's not things that are lovely or commendable or true. But what we think about are things that we think is going to bring us the peace that we long for. Or we might just shut our minds off altogether. That's another strategy that that is a failed strategy that I've tried often. Instead of thinking about these things that bring me closer to the wisdom from above, I shut my mind off. This is why anxious people will turn to numbing themselves with constant entertainment and constant scrolling to distract from what makes us anxious. Can you relate to that? But if we practice setting our minds on these things in verse 8 and on the things of heaven and wisdom from above we see Christ you see this list is a perfect description of Christ himself Christ who brings true and lasting peace not a fleeting peace that goes away as soon as you put your phone down on the table isn't that what we want isn't that what we long for is a meaningful lasting peace Here's the third part of our main idea. Back up in verse four. Meaningful peace results in joy. You see that in verse four. Joy and peace go together like hand and glove. When we are truly at peace in God, knowing that He is at hand, knowing that He is near, guarding us with the peace of God, then only then can we truly rejoice. Anxious people are not joyful. Fearful people are not joyful people. When we say here at City Church, and if if you're new here, welcome again. We're so grateful that you are here. Our vision here at City Church is that we are pursuing a revival of joyful worship, a revival of joyful worship. And the basis for for which we can say that, the reason that we can say we want a revival of joyful worship is that we have peace with God and we have the peace of God as we joyfully worship the God of peace. You see, if we are not guarded by the God of peace, if we are not in and surrounded with and with the God of peace, then we truly cannot be joyful. Paul is reminding the Philippians now for the seventh and eighth time in this letter, there in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, Rejoice. For the seventh and eighth time in this letter, He is asking the Philippians, telling the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. And remember, he's doing this while in prison in Rome. Christian joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Notice in our passage this morning that Paul does not say that whatever we are anxious about, God will take away. It's not what it says. He might do that, and in fact, we should pray to that end. Our prayer life should be, Lord, this hurts. Lord, I'm worried about this. Lord, will you take these things away? Will you remove difficult circumstances from my life? And he might do that. And we ask that he would do that. But here's one thing that we know for sure. The one thing that we know for sure that God has promised is that he will bring his peace in the midst of our fears. And that, my friends, should create a great joy in our hearts. He will bring a a peace in the midst of our fear. Sometimes our response to anxiety is to pretend it's not even there. That's another bad response. There's a lot of bad responses to anxiety, but to pretend that we're stoics, to pretend that we are just called to remove all emotion from our lives and just put our head down and live our lives and ignore the anxieties that are there. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. The Bible gives us a whole range of emotions as a proper response to our lives. Read Psalms and you will see every human emotion possible. The Bible does not shy away from strong emotional reactions to the anxieties and stresses in our life. And one of those proper responses to what God is doing in our lives despite all the fear and anxiety in the world that we live in, a proper response is joy. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I will say, rejoice. Only our God, only our God can transform our burdens and stresses into an occasion For joyful worship. Only our God. Fourth part of our main idea is meaningful peace results in gentleness. That's from verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We could translate reasonableness very easily to gentleness. It's the same idea. Or gracious, And what Paul is saying is that we should be known as having a gracious, gentle reputation. Our gentleness is to be known to who? Everyone. Our gentleness is to be known to everyone. There is, there's really not a whole lot more that we could say is so countercultural to the moment we're living in right now, is there not? The fruit of of a hyper-anxious, hyper-stressed-out world is not going to be gentleness. The fruit of a hyper-anxious, hyper-stressed culture is going to be rage and anger and bitterness. But we are called to be convictional Christians while offering the gentleness of Jesus Christ And we're to offer that to everyone, even our enemies. 1 Peter 2.23, talking about Jesus, says this, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Friends, when the peace of God surrounds us and guards us and reminds us that the Lord is near, anxiety and anger give way to gentleness and grace. We become a non-anxious presence in a very anxious world because we enjoy a peace that will last forever. We enjoy a peace that, that surpasses our understanding. We enjoy a peace that we could never conjure up on our own. We enjoy a peace that is from God. And that happens no matter what is happening today. It doesn't matter what today holds. It doesn't matter what your week holds. No matter how influential or powerful our enemies are, the Lord is at hand. And he will bring his peace. So, we are called to be joyful Gentle citizens of heaven, free from anxiety, as we pray to the God of peace and spend our lives thinking about all that is good and right. The Lord is at hand. Jesus has come near to us, Jesus is here, Jesus is with us, Jesus is our meaningful peace. Jesus has saved us into a meaningful peace. Jesus took on all of our fears and anxieties on the cross and he gave us peace. While Jesus hung there on the verge of death, there has been no one in all of history more burdened than the Lamb of God on the cross. And when he cried out to his father, he cried out to his father who was always at hand from eternity past. It wasn't a time that Jesus called upon his father and he wasn't there. The father who had never left him and all of the sufferings he experienced on earth, the father who heard his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. But when Jesus cried out this time on the cross, his words were, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's the gospel. Jesus was God forsaken so that you and I would never be. Jesus called upon the Father on the cross, but He was not at hand. He had turned His face away from the Son. But He did this for us, so that now, as His people united to the resurrected Christ, when we call His name, He is near. He is with us. That's good news. Sisters, Philippians 4 4 through 9 is your Savior cupping your face with His hands and letting you know that He will never abandon you. Brothers, this is your King putting his hands on your shoulders and looking you in your eyes and promising you that he is with you to the end. Kids, kids, this is your friend Jesus sitting next to you and telling you that he is bigger than anything that you're afraid of. That's Jesus for you. So church, Brothers, sisters, kids, do not be anxious about anything. As we close, I want want you to know that City Church is a safe place for anxious people. Have you come in anxious? Chris mentioned it earlier, all the things that we could have come in with fearing, burdened by, stressed out by? You're in the right place. Here's the encouragement. You've, you're here and the Lord is here. The Lord is at hand. What I hope that you will find as you've come in this morning are are a people who are facing all sorts of stresses and challenges in life but are able to joyfully proclaim the God of peace is with us. What happens when someone comes into our church and wonders, why why aren't these people freaking out? Y'all know what's going on out there? Why aren't you freaking out? You know how dangerous it is? You know how things are going to pot? Yes, yes. We do know that, but we have something that you can't even fathom. Something that defies reason. It's a peace from God himself. And that's how much he cares for you. That's how much he cares for me. And so, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We pray with great thanksgiving that you are the God who is near. And Father, you are the, the one who hears and responds to our prayers as we pray in Christ's name. Christ, that you are the one who have, has come to live our life, to know what it's like to live this life with all of its fears and all of its dangers and all of its stresses, to be tempted in every way we are and yet be without sin. And so we do confess, we fear so much. We're anxious about much, but may we be a people that recognize that in our anxieties we are not trusting you, and we want to trust you. That in our anxieties that we could list them. You've you've told us to tell you about them, and so have us number and name our anxieties and present them to you, and know that your peace that surpasses our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Jesus. Have us to be able to think about things that are good and right and lovely and true and commendable and honorable, worthy of praise. And may we ultimately think of you, the one who has made a way, the one who has made a way for us to be in peace with you, And not just today, and not just tomorrow, and not just for the rest of the week, but forever and ever. Everlasting peace that will never leave us. In the midst of an anxious generation and a a world that is full of rage, may we be a non-anxious, Jesus-loving, joyful people. And we can only do that because of you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.